What's up, guys? Max here, back with a brand new episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. I hope everybody's doing great out there. What's up to everybody on the podcast and everybody in the chat? Jaegerbomb, Corporal, Neural, Carlos, what's up? John, Nuggets, and everybody else. Welcome, everybody. I hope you're doing great. Like I said, we have tons of stuff to talk about today, including action going on in Ukraine involving Russia and the United States. So we're going to talk all about that, probably get into it more than we have in the past because I got some notifications on my phone this morning that uh, were interesting. I'm sure everyone did. I'm sure everyone got something. Everyone's seeing stuff on Twitter, on their news feeds, all of that. We're going to talk about the news, where information comes from, listening for good information versus bad information, etc. And give some examples and talk about what happened today. Then in addition to that, we have a normal scuttlebutt show full of breaking news from the military, around the military, veteran stuff. It's going to be really cool. We got some awesome stuff to talk about. So one of the, uh, one of the things I need to bring you guys up on, on a real quick about yesterday is after yesterday's episode wrapped live at, you know, 1145 AM my time, I appeared as a guest on another podcast, a veteran uh, podcast called The Foxhole Podcast, brought to you by The Foxhole Theater Company. It was a pre-recorded episode, and it's going to be coming out soon. So you got The Foxhole Podcast right here. These are good dudes, Marine Corps veteran and civilian uh, co-hosts there who run this uh, scuttle, uh, I'm sorry, Foxhole uh, uh, Theater Company, which is the... Um, their nonprofit theater where they do veteran stories like the ninth door here, which is now a traveling production that they're doing a theater production. They do film, they do theater and they do this podcast. So I want to let you guys know about them. It was really cool to meet them. It was really cool to talk with them. They have tons of good episodes. I walked through effectively my entire Navy career my thoughts on everything. Um, don't worry, I didn't. I didn't spill all the beans. There's tons of stuff that I didn't share. That's just special for you guys. But if you want to get a lead on this and you want to check this out coming up, you can. Uh, you can go ahead and follow the Foxhole Podcast hosted by Matt. That's the Marine host there, and look for my episode with them, which should be coming out soon, and was a ton of fun to record. So you guys can go check that out. Now. I wanted to, uh, it was, it was a good time. Shout out to those guys. They're good dudes and, uh, they're doing, they're on a good mission to raise awareness for veteran suicide, veteran mental health, PTSD, all of that, all of that. So they're doing a good job over there. I'm glad that I was able to connect them through Instagram. That's uh, that's how we met Instagram. So I wake up this morning to, uh, let's just get right into it. Let's just get right into it. What do you guys think? I think that that's a good idea. So let's check this out. I got a lot of thoughts on this. I am, before we even begin, I am not, nor do I claim to be some kind of geopolitical analyst, expert on all military operations around the world and what we should do in Ukraine or Russia or when the next war should start or anything like that. I'm not the expert and I'm not sure who out there thinks that they are. I have, I feel like a lot of people have been talking like they're experts recently, um, but I wonder how many people knew what we're going to talk about in this next story. Jaegerbomb, thank you for a $5 super chat. We're all going to need a drink for what's coming. I hope for the best, but prepare for the worst drink while we got them. I support that. Thank you very much for that super chat. I really do appreciate it very, very much. So this is the, uh, this is the news that I think everybody probably got this morning. Putin orders Russian troops into eastern Ukraine as Biden blocks U.S. trade there. So things heat up as Russian troops officially move in to disputed Ukraine territories, or disputed in their words, at least. So Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered forces Monday to maintain peace in separatist regions of eastern Ukraine in a further escalation of tensions that followed the Kremlin's recognition of the areas of independence, despite warnings of sanctions and international condemnation. So... Here, right off the bat, obviously this is very serious, but right off the bat, how many people out there, I ask you to question yourselves, and then I ask you to question the people that you have these discussions with a little bit. How many people before today in the chat, tell me, actually answer in the chat, how many people before today knew about Luhansk and Donetsk and the history of those regions? If answer yes or no you've heard of it or you've never heard of it in the comments down below i imagine i've never heard of these two areas until today what they are 
is effectively is what it seems like areas that are more sympathetic or loyal to Russia. This is since 2014, this has been ongoing. And these are areas that have been effectively recognizing themselves as independent from Ukraine. So Russia puts troops into these cities, into these regions to maintain peace and maybe absorb them, absorb them as part of Russian territory, declare them Russian territory. So, you know, I've, I don't know about this. And it, if anything, let this be a, a an, an awareness moment of all the things that we don't know about the situation over there. So I, I didn't know about this. Um, and I, I, I never do claim to be the expert on these, you know, political military motivations or what's going on with these other countries. So obviously there's a lot of things that we don't understand about the situation over there other than the headline news that we see. We will continue to consult with our allies and partners about both diplomatic solutions and the consequences we will impose on Russia should it further invade Ukraine, said a senior administration official. The official pointed out that Russian troops have repeatedly entered the region since Russia invaded in 2014, but he declined to set a red line on what further incursions would prompt an additional U.S. response. So I feel like this is more different information than what we've been getting over the last few weeks. Like, yeah, Russia has gone in there many times in the last eight years, but now it's different. And now we got to kind of change the story as to what, you know, we'll call an incursion or an invasion, because actually this this little part has been ongoing. It says just in the last hour, we've seen Russia or troops to deploy. We've seen Russia or troops to deploy into the DPR and LPR for so-called peacekeeping functions, said the senior administration official who declined to confirm reports by the Russian Interfax news agency and social media posts showing additional Russian forces entering the Donbass. Ukraine military official told Military Times Monday night that a new wave of Russian troops had entered the Donbass in the wake of Putin's order. Foot stomping Biden stance on U.S. troops in Ukraine. The senior administration official said there will be no American forces there, even if U.S. citizens are included in any roundup of perceived enemies by Russian forces. We have been warning individuals and groups that we think could be targeted based on our understanding and knowledge of Russian plans to try to enable them to protect themselves or move to places where they might be safer. But I have nothing to add to what the president had already said, which is that he had no intention of sending American forces to fight inside of Ukraine. So this is what appears to be the most up-to-date news on what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. I believe American military is up to roughly 10,000 troops, based on some quick math and memory of what's been going on. 10,000 troops, including uh, jet squadrons, aviation squadrons, and PR people, uh, public affairs people, and all this stuff that people have been going over there um, on deployment for efforts in the region. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It does make something like a YouTube podcast show feel much more insignificant. And, you know, we should all be focused on peace, global peace. What is going to be the outcome of this? Um, it's hard to say now. I, I've seen a bunch of videos about, I've been watching a bunch of videos onto what the motivations are for the Russia-Ukraine um, conflict. One of the points being that Russia, without Ukraine um, under its uh, at least being able to freely travel around Ukraine has very few waterways for travel. So they don't want to have Ukraine become a NATO country so that they don't so that they can continue to move through it into the waterways that lie on the south side of Ukraine. I don't know. I'm not an expert on these things. But what I do, what I am conscious of is misleading news information, right? And I and I and everyone who has been telling me about Ukraine in conversations I've had with people, how what is the depth of understanding that people have of these issues beyond what I can see on the news and YouTube? Who who are the real experts, you know? Who are the real experts? I don't know. I I question that. You should always question people who are giving you information because sometimes you end up with information like this. Russia claims without evidence it eliminated two Ukrainian armored vehicles and five saboteurs. So this is Russian media news in the wake of us hearing about false flag attacks and all that kind of stuff. Russian media spread this story on Monday, basically today, right? Because it's Tuesday for me, but on Monday, so today. Russian state media claimed on Monday that Russian military forces eliminated 
a pair of Ukrainian infantry vehicles, and a separate group of five saboteurs who snuck into Russia from Ukraine. Russia has provided no evidence to support its claims of stopping these alleged Ukrainian infiltrators. But this is exactly the type of, you know, they say false flag. My question is about that is false flag, of course, being a state-sponsored attack from Russia on what appears to be on Russia or just misleading lies in the news to prompt to give them a reason to engage with Ukraine so it seems like they're not at fault. I don't know why Russia would need to do some kind of false flag operation because no matter what their reasoning for going into Ukraine is, nobody's going to think that it's not their fault. There's no scenario. I I can't see a scenario in which people would be like, oh yeah, Russia, you're good. We're, we're actually cool with it. You, you guys should go in. Those Ukrainians, they really, uh, they, they really deserve it. I don't think that that could ever happen. So the motivation for Russia to conduct one of these false flag operations feels, uh, I, well, the reasons I've heard don't make sense to me, but this is definitely um, crazy that this would break on Russian news media if it's completely fake, but this whole thing is being called out as false. Ukrainian military spokesman Lieutenant Colonel Pavlo Kovolchuk told the Wall Street Journal, this whole false claim of Ukrainian sabotage and reconnaissance team being caught somewhere near Russian border is completely false. And he added, there are no Ukrainian service members that are missing in action across the Russian border. You know, I'm sure there will be tons of people going, well, that's what, you know, if captured, you'll be disavowed. It's mission impossible. And America's done operations like that too. In Vietnam, there was an entire platoon of soldiers who were forced to give up their um, status as American military so that they could go onto the uh, borders of, what was it, um, Cambodia to set up radio towers. And they were all killed there because they were not soldiers. They were not protected as military. So they, I'm referencing a story that that, that, that is a vague ve reference. I'll try to... Um, pull up what the uh, the greater story there is, but um, in the maybe tomorrow or something. But yeah, there's been history of, of course, military being disavowed by its government, military doing clandestine operations and then denied any knowledge of their existence. That stuff does happen. Is that what's going on here or is Russia just making this up? You got to look out for these exact kind of media misinformation tactics. So it says here, Russia's state-run TASS news agency reported citing Russia's Federal Security Service that an armed group consisting of two Ukrainian infantry fighting vehicles had infiltrated the Russian border region of Rostov before they were eliminated. At around that same time, TASS reported based on another FSB claim that Russian armed forces and border security forces prevented a violation of the Russian border by a sabotage group from Ukrainian territory. Ask yourself, too, what would two infantry vehicles and five individuals be doing attacking Russia? Like, it doesn't really make any sense. It, if there was some kind of operation like this going on, it would probably be unidentified vehicles, not military marked infantry vehicles. I don't know what saboteurs means, but it doesn't really pass the sniff test right off the bat. Like what would two vehicles crossing the border into Russia hope to accomplish? Two marked, imagine just two Humvees, no air support, nothing, just two Humvees, 10 infantry guys roll into, you know, a foreign hostile country. And they're just like, here, here we go. We're doing it. We're taking on Russia. doesn't make any sense. The alleged Ukrainian infiltration comes on the heels of several other claims made by both Russia and pro-Russian separatist groups in Ukraine. Hours before the Russian infiltration claims, the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense tweeted, the enemy continues to use propaganda methods of conducting information warfare in order to accuse the armed forces and escalate the situation. The aggressor accused Ukrainian defenders of allegedly shelling a Russian border checkpoint in the Rostov region. So there's additional... Um, additional claims being made. Kind of crazy. Now it's like he said, they, he said, he said. And uh, that's very dangerous with information. Information, of course, in our modern time has become the greatest uh, threat to our democracy and peace. Uh, as we hear, you know, one story, and then we see things and like, oh, it's completely different from what we were told constantly thanks to video footage and on the ground reporting, things like that. Um, I, I won't get into any specific examples because it's kind of off topic of this. But this is a good example of what's going on in, in Russia and Ukraine right now. So here we go. We've got this exact scenario playing out where you have, on one hand, Russia saying Ukraine infiltrated their border and has been shelling them 
with artillery and, and sabotaging them. And on the other hand, Ukrainians saying, well, we didn't, and it's not true, and there's no evidence of it. So what are the public supposed to do? Well, I bet if you're Russian and you support Russia and you're over there, you probably are going, oh, yeah, that, let, let's get them. You know? And if you're Ukrainian, go to, oh, my God, why, why is Russia doing that and lying about us? That's probably exactly what's happening right now. It's crazy. The Russian claims of a Ukrainian infiltration effort come as Russia has gathered tens of thousands of troops on Ukraine's borders for months, raising concerns in Ukraine and other Western nations that Russia will seek to invade. In recent days, Western analysis have placed the number of Russian troops gathered near Ukraine as high as 190,000. On Friday, Joe Biden said there's simply no evidence to support Russia's various claims to the Ukrainian side initiating the armed conflict. It defies basic logic to believe the Ukrainians would choose this moment with well over 150,000 troops arrayed on its borders to escalate a year-long conflict. Yeah. They've refused to allow the Russians to bait them into war, Biden said, but the fact remains Russian troops currently have Ukraine surrounded from Belarus along the Russian border with Ukraine to the Black Sea in the south and all of its borders. And that's where we're at. And that's where we're at this morning um, as we, well, for me, as I roll into Tuesday, I'm over here just trying to worry about my lips being chapped and, uh, and Russia's invading Ukraine. So, where this goes from here, we'll just continue to follow, and I will. Uh, what I'll do is I'll continue to do the show here, and as things get updated, I will pass whatever information I have, as well as my opinions on it. I guess for what it's worth, I'm sure there's better people than me who could offer their opinions. But if if there's one reason to continue the conversation here on the Scuttlebutt Show, it's just to try to take a look at, you know, pursuing the obvious truth that's in front of us about all of this, um, which is what I always try to do. So. We'll see. We will see. Let's see. Nugget says, too much of these BS false Ukraine aggression claims and everyone knows it. After the WMD Iraq debacle, I'm hesitant to believe anything from any media sources from either side. I like that position. The administration has done a pretty good job educating the world about the probability of Russia conducting false flag operations. Eric says, yes, that's true. Yep. And uh, and I want to share something else with you guys who maybe have not been listening to the show for a really long time. But it was almost two years ago that I had a guest on the show. He's a retired Army chaplain, good dude, buddy of mine. His name is Jared, and we did an episode. Um, he's a very educated guy, very smart, and we did an episode on logical fallacies. And, uh, and I just want to share this with you guys really quick, um, a little bit of this. Logical fallacies are what you probably do every day, whether you know it or not, when you are in a discussion with somebody and you either are not prepared for that discussion or you don't want to tell the truth about it. These are things like hasty generalizations, straw mans, circular arguments, begging to claim ad hominem or character attacks. These are absolutely very, very common. Um, you hear about these all the time. Okay. You hear about these all the time, but how do you identify them you probably, you're, they're probably used against you and by you every single day, but how do you identify them and how do you combat them? So I did a whole episode about that. Here's a little Free clip. Slope. The, this is great. So the example here is if we act nice to humans now, soon they will demand constant back rubs. The implication here is if you do something nice for them once, they're just going to assume, they're just going to want more nice things and assume that you're going to uh, keep doing them all the time, and then they're going to get mad if you don't do them, then they're going to revolt, and then they're going to kill us. Uh, the slippery slope that I went down there is I don't have any facts to back up what I just said at all. In my mind, I just let my own fears develop my thought, and then I said it like as if I know what I'm talking about. Is that is that a fair representation of a slippery slope? Um. Yes and no. Um, when going through school and having to find an example of slippery slope, I'm sure we've all... All right, so you guys get the idea. We went through and we broke down the 12 common logical fallacies that you will see used in everyday conversation. And you guys can go watch that episode if you want. It was uh, an old one, so it's from about two years ago, but you can look up just the Scuttlebutt Show, Jared Knight, you saw it right there. Uh, I should have, before I closed it, I should have dropped a link in the description. Let me do that really quick. I will uh, I will go ahead and pull that back up. Fears, 
develop my thought and then I said it like as if I All right, there we go. Drop the link in the description. You guys can go check that out now and uh, you you can listen to that if you want to. And hopefully afterwards, you will be good at identifying logical fallacies as they come and go. And I would encourage you to try to not use them yourself. Try to not try to catch yourself using logical fallacies. It's very easy to do inadvertently. And then when you do go, okay, well, maybe I should do some more research because if I'm already going into a character attack or a straw man, maybe I need to do my own research a little bit better before I continue this conversation. So we've had the Russia discussion now at this point. Um, That's what I had on the menu for today, so to speak, about that. And we will continue to follow that and, uh, and give updates as needed. Thank you guys for sharing information with me via Twitter posts and uh, news that you've heard so I can stay as up-to-date as possible. I do appreciate that. In regular, more regular Scuttlebutt show news that uh, that we have here, I've got this story. Not a lot of information here, but we have this. U.S. Airman dies in non-combat incident in Niger. First death out of Niger, I believe, since those Green Berets a few years ago. The Department of Defense Monday announced the non-combat death of a U.S. Airman in Niger. Staff Sergeant Dennis Melton, 27, of Waverly, Tennessee, deployed with the 768th Expeditionary Air Base Squadron, died February 18th in a non-combat-related incident at the Nigerian Air Base 101 in Miami, Niger, if I said that right. He was from uh, Shaw Air Force Base in South Carolina. So that's it. That's the update there, but I just wanted to draw attention to that because anytime I hear about something going on in Africa, I want to remind everybody that Africa is actually uh, still a place where we're deployed. Everyone's thinking about Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, the EU, Russia, Ukraine, the PACOM deployment AO. So you've got Philippines um, and all the maritime operations going on out there. And then you've got Africa, the, the bastard stepchild of military operations where we just have been forever and we never really talk about it, except for here on the Scuttlebutt Show. So I'll continue to do so. The Air Force is in our news a bunch today. Um, there are, including that one, we have four Air Force stories today. The Air Force is supposed to be the good one. The Air Force is supposed to be the smart one, the rich one, the classy one. They have, when they sit down to dinner, they have four types of forks, three types of spoons, three types of knives, and they use them in the correct order. Even the E-2s. In the Navy, Marine Corps, Army, if you're an E-3 and below, you eat with your hands. Sometimes you just use your face. You just plow your face into your plate and eat your, you know, gruel. But in the Air Force, they're supposed to be the good ones. Air Force bases are supposed to be the ones where you go and, and you just, you feel safe. You feel like you're, you're home, you know? Get some hot cocoa watch a movie on the computer that they give you when you check in. You go through the gate, hey, uh, here's my ID card. They're like, cool, here's a MacBook. Welcome to, you know, uh, uh, Nellis Air Force Base. So when I saw this story, I thought, well, now, more government bureaucratic BS, more people being nominated to important positions in the government to continue to undermine the military. We get so much of this now. And with people talking about imminent war, it certainly feels less important to be monitoring people's Facebook profiles. Yeah, that's exactly what we got here. Air Force installations nominee regrets calling for AI monitoring of troops for extremism. And who helped them? A Navy SEAL. So let's talk about this. How did... This gentleman here, Ravi Chaudhary, become the Assistant Secretary of the Air Force for Energy Installations and Environment. So basically the person in charge of all Air Force bases as a civilian. And what were his comments and why are they so bad? They certainly seem bad. The former Air Force C-17 pilot, so he he was an airman himself, nominated to oversee the department's installations, came under fire during his confirmation hearing February 17th as multiple senators pressed him over an editorial in which he advocated for the use of artificial intelligence to track extremism in the military. Feels like we're living in China. 
Ravi, nominated by the Ravi Chaudhary, if that's how you say his last name, it might not be, C-H-A-U-D-H-A-R-Y, nominated by the Biden administration to serve as Assistant Secretary of the Air Force for Installations, Environment, and Energy, tried to walk back that argument during this hearing, saying he regretted the article and pledging not to use AI in such a manner if confirmed. You really shouldn't be spying on uh, Americans, nor should you be spying on American service members. And that's exactly what this AI would mean to do. Shawdery, who's also served as a member of the Senior Executive Service with the Federal Aviation Administration, penned the article in question for Foreign Policy News in July 2021, working with Ty Smith, a former Navy SEAL and CEO of ComSafe AI. By the way, Ty Smith has been a guest on the Scuttlebutt Show. You can look up his episode, just type in T.Y. Smith, uh, and he talks about his career as a Navy SEAL. Um, and he's also African-American, so he talks about his career as an African-American Navy SEAL. He is the CEO of ComSafe AI, a company that offers to use AI to analyze workplace communications 24-7, identify toxic communication, and flag appropriate personnel in your organization before issues escalate. So this is the classic question of minority report style surveillance. Do you, do you go after people before anything bad has actually happened? This is the debate, right? You know, you see a bunch of things leading up to, you know, a trend that could lead up to workplace violence, sexual harassment. Do you intervene before, before it gets to that point? Or is that not within the purview of the American justice and prosecutorial system and a workplace's rights and, and constitutionally protected rights to hire and fire and, and you know, um, discipline someone at work over this kind of stuff. And that's the question. Comment. I mean, I'd love to hear what you think. Fighting extremism in the ranks has been a priority for top Pentagon officials in the Biden administration. In February 2021, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin ordered a DOD-wide stand down to address the issue. And in December, the department adopted a new set of rules prohibiting service members from actively participating in extremist behavior. But this push has been met with resistance by many Republican lawmakers who say the issue isn't as widespread as some fear and that efforts to address it could run afoul of the First Amendment. In Chaudhry's confirmation hearing, five Republican senators brought up his editorial pushing him to promise to not to use artificial intelligence to track service members' communications and behavior. Ranking member Senate Senator Jim Anoffi from Oklahoma said, I think it's a really horrible idea. Tell me why it's a good idea. The intent of the article was to engage in a public discussion on addressing extremism as well as other areas affecting readiness, Chaudhry replied. The article fell short of that, and I regret that. So, of course, walking back earlier statements, I just don't understand why so many people, it feels like in the last year, every person who's been put in charge of a government department hates that department. Do you guys feel that way? Like, the person in charge of the Air Force, well, he hates the Air Force. The person in charge of the banks, they hate the banks. The person in charge of the roads, they hate the roads. That's kind of disturbing, don't you think? The person in charge of energy hates energy. In their own words. This isn't like twisted around information. This is just listen to them say it for themselves. That's sad. Very sad. Senator Rick Scott compared the idea of using AI to track extremist behavior to tactics practiced by the Chinese government, prompting Chaudhry to pledge to protect service members' rights. The vast majority of men and women who serve, serve with honor, integrity, and excellence. I also believe that the constitutional rights of our military members who serve should be protected, period. If confirmed, I'll follow the lead of Air Force Secretary Frank Kendall in addressing extremism. So, then you look at uh, our boy yesterday, Tackleberry Solutions the soldier who was training civilians how to take out law enforcement, arm them, go to his own version of SEER school, only discovered when one of his trainees was killed in a shootout with police and they found his um, curriculum and, and contact information in that dude's truck. So for every point that I could make about why I think it's totally wrong to do something like this, there's an example just like that saying why we might have to. Although, then you're right back, again, to the Minority Report argument. What extent of proactive surveillance does the government have? What's the limit? I don't know. You guys tell me what you think in the comments. I, I could go both ways on that. On one hand, you, you could save lives, prevent disasters, if this information is used for the 
right reasons with incredible discretion and maturity. And on the other hand, you could destroy innocent lives, create violence where there wouldn't otherwise be none by cornering people, chasing people down, going after, putting warrants out for people. I don't know. Creating, you know, taking somebody who because of a, a weird Facebook conversation and ruining their careers, so you drive them into poverty and desperation and rage, otherwise, and who otherwise is harmless and would have never done anything? It's the question. That's the question. Morality is that question there too. So you have to ask yourself, what, how far are you willing to let it go and still feel like you are doing the right thing? So pressed further by Senate Mike Rounds to say that he understood this committee would never look upon the investigation or the use of AI and the oversight of our men and women in uniform to be an acceptable thing. Chaudhry said that was absolutely correct. While many of the questions directed to Chaudhry were focused on the editorial, he was also asked by Senator Tim Kaine how he planned to handle the issue of privatized housing for military families in the wake of the Ball 4 BD communities, one of the largest providers of military housing in the U.S., who pled guilty to defrauding the Air Force, Army, and Navy. He said, our military members and their families deserve to have well-maintained, clean, and excellent housing. Not only that, but a system in which their grievances can be addressed, as well as challenges that they're meeting at the same time. If confirmed, you have my commitment that I will move out on this issue extremely quickly to ensure that we have the right oversight management contracts across the board. I'm going to take a top-down look at every aspect of our military privatized housing because we just absolutely have to get this right. It's bad everywhere. Housing's bad everywhere. We've got people living in mold-infested barracks in the Marine Corps, even out here in Okinawa. Flooded, moldy, disgusting barracks up on Camp Hansen, Camp Schwab. It can get pretty bad. That's true. So I hope somebody does to take some action on that. It's about time. <sighs> How's it going in the chat? Let's see. I knew someone who was getting ready to PCS to Egypt in 2017 before he died of a medical issue. Another one spent nine months in Egypt on rotation, John says. Damn, Egypt. Buford. Army Air Corps were the most badass people around in World War II. Now they're worried about breaking a nail. Oh, the Air Force. Let's see. Intervene before or after. It depends on the situation. Makes me think to catch a predator with Chris Hansen. Yeah, that's right. By posing as the victim, they were able to catch predators. That's a, and I think most people would agree that that was, in fact, a, a good deed. Pro Hero, not coming across a lot of extremists in today's military. That's just my experience. I agree. And then we have stories like the one yesterday. And then you do. MC says Black Mirror, very true. And then you do have one, and I've uh, Ethan Melzer, go back. If you have not seen, if you don't know who Ethan Melzer is, go back and look him up on my channel. Talk about extremists. Thank God the FBI, if you don't know, in summary real quick, Ethan Melzer, who aligned himself with white supremacists, Hitler, and ISIS, all at the same time, uh, threatened to off his entire unit threatened off his entire unit by coordinating an attack on them while they were deployed. Check out that video. There's no way you could ever say there is no extremism in the military because you find it in, in instances like that. Each one of those threats is extremely dangerous. Okay? That could have been an entire unit. One traitor. The greatest threat is an insider threat. You see this on posters all around commands all the time. The greatest threat is and always will be an insider threat. So when you use those tactics to identify people like Ethan Melzer, bravo Zulu. When you use them to kick people out because they voted for the other guy and they liked a Facebook page, which is the, the thing everyone's scared is what will happen. Well, that's not a bravo Zulu. That's, a, that's, a, that's somebody I would look right at and go, shipmate, shipmate, shippy, not cool. Not super legit, that's for sure. So it's it's a very it's a complicated situation. You gotta look at every example. You gotta look at how these tactics are being used. There's definitely examples of uh of you know bad actors out there. Jaegerbaum says, I used to want a conflict, now I don't. I don't trust our leadership. I've never wanted a conflict. I don't know. I don't want a conflict. The personal cost is too high. The question, of course, is if there is a conflict. Do you want to be on the front lines? Because if you want one, I hope you want to be the first person in. Otherwise, all you're doing is putting somebody else, you know, at risk for most of the time. People don't even know why. So the 
Air Force has a couple more stories that we're going to get to. But really quick, I need to round, circle back around to the Army. <sighs> the Army. Army's controversial fitness test might become official this year, leaked plan says. But they're taking out the best exercise, the flexed knee tuck, knee tuck, leg hang, arm bend. It's, it's the toughest exercise in the whole ACFT. You hang from a pull-up bar, you pull your arms up to 90 degrees, and you touch your knees to your elbows. Apparently, everyone's failing that. So they're like, hey, you know, if we just take that exercise out, passing rates will go way up. Wow. You mean to tell me if we just didn't ask them to do the exercise, they'll all get in better shape overnight? That's what the numbers say, sir. All right. Bravo, Zulu. Keep it up. Let's go. That's, uh, that's probably how the discussion went. Army's controversial new fitness test may replace the decades-old standard by which troops are measured later this year. Of course, there's many problems, including um, people being thin and light and not being able to deadlift 350 pounds that are failing. They're saying that the two-mile run is taking a lot of people out. So they said it was sexist, all this stuff. I think the ACFT is actually great. I think the ACFT is actually awesome, and I hope that they do keep it as is, except for how they grade it. I hope all the exercises stay the same, but I do hope they make some kind of modification for body weight. So the example given, and they're obsessed with 140-pound women. Like the, Whoever this army person is in charge of the ACFT, you might want to put him on some spy program because he is obsessed with 140-pound women. Like if you're a woman in the army and you weigh 140 pounds, don't go to like a fitness test evaluation you know, seminar, something like that. Seriously. Military.com obtained early data in May on the test showing nearly half of the women in the Army could not pass the ACFT, which is not a, a problem with the ACFT. It's a problem with the Army's physical fitness standards. A problematic finding given the force's recent string of commitments to foster a more inclusive environment. Uh, how about foster an environment where the 10,000 people you just deployed to, the, to Europe are able to survive combat? Like, this is not a joke anymore. If, if there was, let's say... A massive ground war with, um, with with a uh, uh, with Russia. I'll just say it. I don't know how that's going to affect my analytics here. I'll just say it with Russia. The army is going to be over there, and everyone's going to be at risk. Not. It's not like oh, in the army we finally include morbidly obese people to be more inclusive. Those people will die. I don't think that's what they want. I don't think those people want to be like you know. At least I had body positivity as they're like trying to outrun an artillery barrage. It's like, grow up, man. Grow up. Seriously. The test requires soldiers deadlift between 140 and 340 pounds, something smaller soldiers, especially women, struggle to achieve in higher scores and testing. Women began to perform better on the test as the Army conducted further testing and substituted doing planks instead of a leg tuck event. So they're going to replace that with planks. Simply passing the test might not be enough for soldiers' careers. High scores can lead to getting troops into elite courses such as ranger school and can snowball into quicker promotions and more job opportunities. Yeah, duh. Internal figures from 2020 showed only 66 women scored 500 points or higher compared to 32,000 men. Well, that's something. That's something. A score of 600 is the max. The two-mile run is by far the most commonly failed event. Because it's the only one... You know why... You know why on the PT test, the run is the most commonly failed event? Do you guys know the reason? It's because it's the only one you can't cheat. It's the only one you can't cheat. The reason why people in the military fail the run, but they can do 80 push-ups and 90 sit-ups, um, is because they're cheating. Because they just make up the push-up and sit-up numbers. If it's a reps exercise, people will just lie for their battle buddy. If it's a run... There's less you can do. That's an individual effort, and only the person with the stopwatch is scoring you. So it's much easier to get caught. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Jaegerbomb, I was blind. Is that like, are you saying you used to trust leadership, but now you don't because you were blind, or you literally can't see, and so you couldn't, you're not in the military? Another reason I don't want conflict anymore, the standards have been lowered so much. If we go to war with Russia, there might be a draft. Could you imagine how much these entitled people would react if their card gets pulled for the draft? I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, could you imagine a draft, but like they only draft Republicans or something, like registered Republicans? Uh, it wouldn't even surprise me anymore. It really wouldn't even surprise me. I deadlifted 240 on my ACFT in July. Nice, John, because that's a three rep, right? You got to do that for three. 
I mean, while the Marines step it up with the advanced plank, yeah. Everyone must register for the draft when they turn 18. True. Copy some note army Gs. God help us if the draft comes back. How in the world do people fail this run? They are giving us more time to do it. You can still pass with almost a 21-minute two-mile. Excuse me? A 21-minute two-mile? A 10.30 mile? That is 5.6 miles an hour, I think. Something like that. That is... That's very slow, you guys. If you cannot run a sub-16 two-mile, you are not fit. Or you're, if you have to replace that with some kind of other standard, like a elliptical or rowing machine or something like that, but the standard should be a 16-minute two-mile. If you can't run a 16-minute two-mile, you're, you're not fit to the standard of the military. Eight-minute miles, that's the standard. I think in the Marine Corps, for boot camp, it's even like seven-minute miles is the standard. But eight-minute miles is the standard. So if you can't run a 16-minute, if you need six more minutes and then you're failing that, like I said before, the Army doesn't have an ACFT problem. They have a culture of fitness problem. Crazy, crazy. God help us if the draft comes back. Yes, I was a fool. I have false expectations about what real life would be like. Oh, don't we all? What's that song from, uh, what's that movie? I had dreamed this life would be so much better than the one that I am living. It's true. Good Robert Mingle says, if I weigh 155 pounds, how much should I be able to deadlift? A deadlift should always be 2X. A good deadlift is 2X your body weight. So for you, it'd be 310. So you should, a good deadlift is 2X. A good bench press is 1.5. Eh, even one, even body weight bench press is okay. But a really good bench press would be 1.5. A squat should be 1.5. Um, as well. Actually, let me let me change that. I'll, I'll reduce the bench. The bench press should be one. So a good deadlift is 2x your body weight. A good squat is 1.5x your body weight. And a good bench press is your body weight. So that is, uh, that's what I declare. I do declare those are my standards. So we got to keep it moving to get through this whole episode today. I have this next story here from the Air Force. Holy smokes, this one is insane. Have you guys heard about this? Air Force Reserve Major helps to subdue unruly passenger aboard American Airlines flight trying to rip open the emergency door and enter the cockpit when an Air Force uh, officer comes to the rescue. Who knew an Air Force officer would be able to subdue somebody? That's, uh, that's what I'm asking. So a at least one service member helped flight attendants aboard American Airlines flight 1775. Hell yeah. The year of our Navy and Army being born. On Sunday, as they restrained a passenger who had tried to break into the plane's cockpit and then open an emergency exit midair. The Marine Corps was 1775 too, right? November 10th. Air Force Reserve Major Carlos Rojas said he was watching a movie when the passenger, who has not yet been identified by the FBI, began to be disruptive. Rumor has it the movie he was watching was Top Gun, because everyone wishes they were a Navy jet pilot. Rojas said another man sitting near him first noticed that something was wrong. That man who told Rojas he was an army officer tried to help flight attendants subdue the unruly passenger, but it became apparent they needed backup. He came back and actually grabbed me and said, hey, I need your help, said Rojas, who was assigned to the 701st Combat Operations Squadron in March Air Reserves, California. And that's kind of how I got involved. So he's sitting there watching a movie. This guy comes up to him and goes, psst. I'm in the army. I think this guy needs to get taken down. And the Air Force guy's like, excuse me, I'm watching Top Gun. This is my favorite part where Maverick is playing volleyball. And he goes, Roger that, Hua. I'm going to go check this out. And he low crawls on the ground over to the guy. And he's like, hey, chill. And the guy's like, I won't chill. And he goes, cool. He backwards low crawls back to the Air Force officer and says, hey, we got to get this guy. And the Air Force officer is like, him. Takes off his headphones, puts away his Chardonnay and goes, I guess I guess I'll get involved. Rojas also said he did not get the Army officer's full name and knew him only as Peter. An Army spokesperson confirmed the task and purpose on Monday that the officer is an active duty lieutenant colonel who said he wishes to remain anonymous. When Rojas got to the scene of the fight, the passenger was still trying to open the plane's emergency exit, Rojas said. At cruising altitude, an aircraft's cabin pressure is higher than the air pressure outside, so the force needed to open an emergency exit mid-flight should require more strength than a human being can provide. Nice. Once Peter grabbed me, I went up to the front and helped him restrain the suspect, if you want to call him that, or the gentleman who was trying to open the door. I like how the Air Force guy is like, you could, I don't think suspect is appropriate. Let's call him gentleman. The flight attendants had done a good job of getting him away from the door, but he was still close to it and the handle was still open. 
imagine you're sitting on the emergency exit row and this dude runs up and flips the handle to open. That's a terrifying moment. So as we were restraining the gentleman, one of the flight attendants was able to squeeze me, squeeze by me and shut the door handle. There is a small video here. That sound you heard, it looks like there's just guys kneeling on somebody on the ground, um, subduing him or holding him. It That might be the sound of flex cuffs or basically like zip tie handcuffs that you heard in the background there. I'm not sure. This does say later in the article that those were used. The plane, which was en route from Los Angeles to Washington, D.C., was forced to make an emergency landing in Kansas City, Missouri. Muaz Mustafa, who was on the flight, by the way, guys, that's just a passenger on the flight tweeted that the plane had to descend sharply at a rate of 5,000 feet per minute, making it feel as though the aircraft was in free fall. During the scuffle, one of the flight attendants struck the disrupted passenger in the head with a coffee pot. Hell yeah, that's what I'm talking about to subdue the man. That's like some gangster stuff right there. Just grab one of those. You know, they have the metal coffee pots on the airplane, right? Because they don't want any glass breaking. Whoop-pow against the head. We knew he was under control once we were able to get him fully restrained with zip tie handcuffs and duct taped ankles. Once he was restrained, the other passenger, Peter, did a good job of talking to him and keeping him calm. He stopped fighting and just laid there until we landed, although he, although we were still securing him just in case. After the plane landed, the man was taken off the aircraft by police. Federal prosecutors identified the passenger on Monday as Juan Rimberto Rivas, 50 years old. That's kind of old for something like this, who has been charged with assaulting and intimidating a flight attendant and thereby interfering in the performance of the flight attendant's duties. Rivas is currently in custody and his detention hearing has not yet been scheduled. It looked, so it says, um, American Airlines has issued a statement expressing its appreciation to the customers who stepped in to assist our crew. Customers, I thought they were passengers. I thought, I thought you were always referred to as a passenger. Amer uh, Roas credits Peter, the Army officer, with taking initiative to help the flight attendants bring the situation under control. It looked like, at least to me, that he had some training in that sort of incident, restraining someone, so I was just really following his lead. At the time of the incident, Roas was traveling for a civilian job, not for the Air Force. Roas entered active duty in October 2008, Currently serving, oh God, sorry guys, did not mean to uh, restart that. Rojas entered active duty in October 2008 and he is currently serving as an operations research analyst according to the Air Force. His military awards include the Air Force Commendation Medal, all the other stuff. He said he decided to join the Air Force because he wanted to give back. I grew up with my dad who was never in the military but always had a large appreciation for the armed services. When I was in school, I didn't know if I wanted to join the military but I, did not, I didn't want to not join the military and have any regrets so I just kind of did on a whim. I love that. I say that all the time. I feel bad for people who are older now and they wished they had served. I feel true like pity for that person. So we have one more story today, but that's a shout out to the Air Force for actually doing something cool, which is kind of cool. What a guy. Bravo Zulu Air Force Major John says, Nuggets says the airman, my time has come. Yep. MC says this commentary is amazing. Thank you very much. You should totally recreate that scene on your next improv. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Airman has a light sense of manners. <laughs> Emergency exit doors cannot be opened until the cabin is depressurized. Will he get a military award for this? Probably. No panic or anything. What a professional. The emergency windows are larger than the opening and must be pulled inward to exit the aircraft. I hope there wasn't coffee in that coffee pot. I hope you, I hope the coffee wasn't wasted at least. KC Airport is some of the nicest people to ever work at an airport. I've never experienced such helpful and nice people at any other airport. That's a really nice thing to say about the Kansas City Airport. All right, good to know. One more story today, and it's a video that we're going to watch together. A heartwarming tribute. I just love hearing stuff like this. It's uh, This is going to end us off on, on a really good note. U.S. Air Force veteran without family laid to rest by high school seniors from the baseball team. Bravo, Zulu. That's amazing. And this story will be told to us by this 15-year-old kid right here, which how, how young is this reporter? This is insane. So let's watch this video together and just appreciate the world for a second. Central Louisiana, Ralph Lambert passed away February 8th with no friends or family around, but as Dylan Domingue reports, a group of strangers made sure that the man who served our country was not buried alone. 
94-year-old Ralph Lambert was laid to rest this week at the Central Louisiana Veterans Cemetery. But when the public heard that the veteran had no friends or family to attend the funeral, Menard's baseball coach made sure to change that. I picked the six six seniors we have, uh, you know, try to teach them the game of baseball, yeah, but, but also the game of life. And anytime we can, uh, you know, serve a community member or, or especially somebody who served for our country, uh, more than happy to do it. These six seniors, never having known the veteran, paid their respects and even carried the casket with the American flag draped over it. Uh, it was an honor. It was good that, you know, us seniors would get to go out there and especially nobody, somebody with no family, you know, and no, no friends, how we get to go and help. It meant a lot because we, we love the people who serve and protect our country and it was a good thing for us to do. It made us all come together. For some of these guys, this was more than just an act of service, but a way to honor their own family members who have served as well. I felt sorry and I just felt like Glad that we got the opportunity to go out there and just be with somebody who has absolutely nobody, you know? Like, we all got our families and friends, but I think we fail to realize that some people out there, they don't have all that. It just helped me kind of relate to their struggles, like give back to them because they gave to us and just made me feel good about it. Lambert served in the U.S. Air Force from 1950 to 1971 and is now buried with full military honors. Reporting in Alexandria, Dylan Domain, News Channel 5, your local station. Man, how about that? He served through Korea as well as Vietnam in the Air Force and died at 94 years old. And luckily, these kids came and gave him his military procession. That's some heartwarming stuff, isn't it? But can I just say one thing really quick, though? Yo, Cameron, you can donate some of that neck to Big Ed if you want to, uh, if you want to continue to serve. Look at this kid's neck. What is going on here? This kid will never fail a tape test in the military. If he wants to join, you can get as fat as you want, bro. With a 38-inch neck, you can pretty much eat whatever you want for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, man. You're safe. You're totally safe. I love that. I love this story. You know, there's a... I've, I've heard other baseball coaches say that baseball is not about baseball. Baseball is about life. That's pretty cool. I guess that I never played baseball, but but that is definitely cool. So... Shout out to those seniors out there in Alexandria, Louisiana. Good for them. Bravo, Zulu. Proud to be an American for sure with stories like that. So that's going to do it, guys. I hope everyone out there is doing well. For our active duty reserve IRR, inactive ready reserve listeners, I hope you're doing okay. I hope that you're staying safe and, and being taken care of as best as possible through your chain of command at a crazy time like this with everything going on in Europe. I hope our audience out there is doing well and all your family and friends who are in and around the military are also doing well. With all that being said, I'll see you guys tomorrow. It's been a pleasure. It's been a great Tuesday out here in Okinawa, Japan. Harry Line Pie with a $2 super chat before we go. Wow, thank you so much. That really means a lot, as always. I always say that, but I want you to know that it's really true. With all that being said, I look forward to talking to you guys very soon. And for now, that's the scuttlebutt.